0: We just finished the incredibly beautiful Unatana Tokef, which has uh, an incredibly special melody here at KI, the melody written by the late beloved Cantor Uri Frankel. So it is your Unatana Tokef that we have here at KI. Unatana tokef, the second half of which is Berosha which says, that it will be decided on Rosh Hashanah and sealed on Yom Kippur, who will live and who will die. The liturgy is not comforting. The liturgy is supposed to be an alarm for us. The liturgy is supposed to wake us up to the fact that we have no idea what will happen in the year to come. I've been talking with a lot of people recently who are seriously concerned about the many, many things that feel beyond our control. We are facing, at this time of year, the fire season. I gave this sermon, as you can imagine, at the first service today, and talked about fire, hurricanes, all kinds of intense weather that We can't control. We don't know where the next one is going to break out. And as we were eating our double, double animal style between services, the Cantor and I got word that there was a fire on Palisades Drive, right across from where the Cantor lives. And as some of you know, Judy and I are up the hill. And already fire trucks were on the scene and more were being called from local firehouses. So this is the kind of uncertainty uh, we live with. There are big issues facing us, big things, scary things. And Unatana Tokev knows that. The rabbis were human. They lived in families. They lived in cities. They lived with their own understanding of danger. And so our liturgy says, Who shall live and who shall die? Who by water and who by fire? Who by sword who by famine, who by thirst, who by earthquake and who by plague, who shall have rest and who shall wander, who shall be at peace and who shall be pursued. The big scarinesses for us. Unatana Tokef acknowledges that there are things that we won't be able to control and things we won't be able to prevent. But the purpose of the liturgy is to wake us up so that we can do what we can do for the things we can control. There are so many things that are big, but if we contribute to their solution, then we can start making the world different than it is, and we can begin to chip away at some of these problems. When we... Look at the liturgy. We also see that today is called, you've heard it several times today, it's called Yom Hazikaron, the day of remembering, the day of remembrance. What is Yom Hazikaron? Generally, we remember the creation of the world and how blessed we are to be part of it for however short a time. Rabbi Gordon Tucker pointed to a teaching by Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlav in which Rabbi Nachman uses the term zikaron, memory, to talk about the future. And Rabbi Tucker's mentor and teacher and rabbi called it anticipatory memory, remembering a world that doesn't exist yet. And that is what Rosh Hashanah calls us to do. Rabbi Nachman says, li shmor et azikaron we must guard. We must leash more very much zikaron memory that it shouldn't fall into forgetfulness. What is this memory? That we should remember always the world that isn't here yet, the world to come. The first thing. Before we say mode'ani, which is the first thing you're supposed to do in the morning, when you open your eyes, grateful am I, before you, holy one, that I have yet another day. Before even that, says Rabbi Nachman of Zikaron, that the first thing we do even before mode'ani is to remember, to remind oneself in the world that isn't here and this is what zikaron this is what the heart of remembrance is about of memory remembering the world that isn't here yet for the big things it's going to take smarter people than me to figure out policies to figure out legislation to figure out solutions we elect people to do that And we send them to work across the aisle, both here locally and nationally. As I said this morning, halavai, it should happen speedily and in our day. But we elect people to solve many of the challenges and to contribute to a world conversation. But we also have what we can do. We also have what we are obligated and responsible for doing. Who by water and who by fire? Like I said, just a few moments ago, we heard the fire was put out, but we didn't know if it was going to spread up Palisades Drive or not. And those of you who remember the devastating fires of last year, who watch TV and watch what happens to islands that are absolutely devastated by hurricanes, we can't stop them and we don't know where they're going to be next, but we certainly know that they are related to global climate change. There's a landmark new report presented at the UN Climate Action Summit, and it underlines the glaring and growing gap between agreed targets to tackle global warming and the frightening reality. According to the scientists who wrote that study, Amid growing recognition that climate impacts are hitting harder and sooner than climate assessments indicated even a decade ago, there is now a real risk of crossing critical tipping points. Widespread and long-lasting heat waves, record-breaking fires, and other devastating events such as tropical cyclones, floods, and drought have had major impacts on socioeconomic development and on the environment. We must work quickly as a world community and the United States lags behind the rest of the developed world in terms of our commitment to removing CO2 from the atmosphere and lessening our contribution to it. Each of us makes choices that impact climate change. Each of us has young people, I hope, that we love and are deeply attached to. What will we say to them When they, like Greta Thunberg, turn to us and say, people are suffering, people are dying, entire ecosystems are collapsing, we're in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? How dare we give our young people a planet that might be reaching the tipping point where we can't turn the ship? Can we remember a world in which all of us take seriously the need to protect and preserve life on this planet? Who by sword? In the liturgy, of course, it's addressing war. And we know that war continues to end and ruin the lives of millions of people all over the world. Our young people know about the danger of the sword, the sword of our time, guns. 36,000 Americans are killed by guns each year, an average of 100 people per day. In 2017, gun deaths reached their highest level in 40 years. The US gun homicide rate is 25 times that of high-income countries. Women in the United States are 21 times more likely to be murdered with a gun than women in other high-income countries. As we know, in Pittsburgh and in Poway, Jews were murdered for doing exactly what we're doing here, gathering to attend services. Our teens, when they go to school, our kids, when they go to school, our little ones, when they go to school, now have active shooter drills at school. The policies and common sense legislation that needs to be passed, I leave to the politicians to hammer out. But what we have to do as citizens is demand a national conversation about preventing gun violence. Now, who by hunger? Approximately 842 million people suffer from hunger worldwide. Approximately 9 million people die of hunger each year according to world hunger statistics and we have enough food to feed the whole world. Because the prevalence of hunger in women and developed because of the prevalence of hunger in women in developing countries, malnutrition is a leading cause of death for children. But we can make a difference. We can remember a world in which everybody has enough to eat. The Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations estimates that the total number of hungry people worldwide has been reduced by 216 million people since 1992. Locally, KI does its part. Last year's food drive by KI provided 210,000 pounds of food to those in need through the West Side Food Bank. That translates into 168,000 meals. So we did 210,000 pounds last year because Rachel Jeffer runs this thing. We're going for 215,000 pounds this year. There are 190,000 people living with food insecurity in West LA. We make a real difference for them. When families are trying to decide between buying school supplies and buying other things like shoes to start the year They often don't have enough to feed their families. We give almost twice as much as the next organization behind us, almost twice. You can make a difference by going to rki.org slash HHD, click on food drive and donate. Your money actually goes further than your food because when we give money, they can buy in bulk and it feeds even more people. Who by plague? None of us knows what the year ahead holds for us in terms of our health. And those of us on the receiving end of the phone calls that someone's gotten news know, we each know, how uncertain the future is. But we have the best health care in this country if one can afford it, and if one has health insurance then we have amazing access to care in this country. But 45,000 annual deaths are associated with a lack of health insurance. The difference in life expectancy between the richest and poorest counties is 30 years. 30 years difference. If you want to see this disparity firsthand, call Celia Bernstein, a KI member who works for, on behalf of the Venice Family Clinic, I've taken that tour. It is remarkable what they do, but what they have to do because these people have nowhere else to go. And having worked for four years as a clinic supervisor at the Feminist Women's Health Center in Atlanta before going to rabbinical school, I saw firsthand what especially women, young women, poor women, were struggling with in terms of accessing healthcare, accurate healthcare information, and access, affordable access, to reproductive health care. What is happening vis-a-vis women getting access to information and reproductive care is terrifying. And it's happening on our watch. My daughter is angry. I'm glad. But the rest of us need to help support those people who are doing the work of fighting against gagging healthcare providers giving women accurate information. Who shall be at rest and who shall wander? Who shall be pursued? We can't stop what's happening in other parts of even our continent. Threats, violence, life being so scary that families feel they need to move, to leave everything familiar to them in order to give their children hope, in order for their children to live into a world that isn't there yet for them. We can't control those factors, and certainly immigration reform is way over my head and way too complicated for me to even completely understand. But what I do know is that once people are in our care, we have an obligation to make sure that they are living and learning in safe, respectable, respectful environments. That I know. That's on us. Once they're in our care, it is on us how they live, how those children see the world that could be. Can we remember a world? Can we remember a world that we take care of, where people are fed, where people are treated with dignity and respect and have access to what they need. This is Yom HaRat Olam, often talked about as the birthday of the world, but that's not what the Hebrew means. Yom HaRat Olam is the day of the pregnancy of the world. The world is pregnant with another world. This world is filled with potential to be the world it isn't yet. Can we remember it into being? That is the charge of Unatana Tokef. That's the point. We have to accept things that we can't change and we have to accept responsibility to change the things we can. At a recent conference for the High Holidays, Rabbi Ken Chazen of Leo Beck Synagogue taught us a phrase from Torah that was set to music by Cantor Marcelo Ginlin at the Malibu Jewish Center. And it was before a panel speaking about how synagogues responded who were very affected by the fires. And this line from Torah is when Moshe is commissioned by God uh, in our story, in our sacred mythology. And Moshe sees a bush. You remember the bush? What happened to the bush? It was on fire. It was on fire. The bush was not consumed. It was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. And the former chief rabbi of Israel says this was the miracle. When something's on fire, it consumes the fuel and then it spreads and it consumes everything in its path that's burnable, flammable. And this fire didn't. It didn't, not only did it not consume anything else, it didn't consume the bush itself that was the fuel. This is the miracle. Something that can be so destructive can also light the world. That is our job to face the burning, to face destruction, to face damage and. To have trust and to hope that together, if we do this together, when we rely on each other, when we see the divine in each other and respect that by how we behave and how we treat the rest of this world, then it's not a fire that consumes, it is a fire that brightens the world. Hine <speaking in> hasne <Hebrew> behold, the bushes on fire, the hasne enenu ukall. It was so beautiful and we sang it over and over and over and it became a prayer for us. A prayer about hope, a prayer about trust, a prayer about getting through this craziness together.